Good evening from the Horseshoe, the site of Ohio State cruising past Rutgers 49-10. I don't know the right way to say it because it was a very, very strange afternoon as Ohio State moved to 5-0. and Another win in the Big Ten, another win as this homestand wraps up. What do you got going there, Berm? I don't know. It did feel strange, though. Uh, that's the birthday boy trying to figure out his microphone, Jeremy Birmingham. That's Bill Landis. I am Austin Ward. Uh, so I did describe it on... The written snap judgments before we got into the live snappy jays here that it was the only kind of sleepwalking blowout i think i've ever seen yeah it it felt that way it was weird like ryan day was talking after the game like Rutgers was playing with two high safeties so they forced us to run the ball he still tried to throw the ball an awful <laughs> lot like I, I i think that's what got them kind of bogged down at points especially in the red zone like lining up inside the five and throwing four times or whatever it was. And it was straight just, times. Yeah, it just it had a weird, weird flow to it. But, I mean, it was still pretty dominant, yeah. um, especially running the ball and, and in particular on defense. Like they, not that Rutgers is a particularly strong offensive opponent, but uh, 187 yards and they were one for 13 combined on fourth and third down. So. And Ohio State tackled well. That tackled was well, yeah. I mean, Rutgers is certainly not a team that has a huge number of offensive weapons, but if you don't tackle, bad things happen, and the Buckeyes took care of that, cleaned up a lot of the sloppiness we've seen in that particular part of, of the game in the, over the last few weeks. And I, like, I'm like i sitting here at the end of the first half, I'm like, this is the most boring 28-7 first half I've ever seen. And I guess it's like the last five years we've watched the Ryan Day offense just chuck it all over the yard. Oh, the we went for it again. You know? yeah. and like, it's become a safe... What, when you watch, um, <laughs> when you watch the impacted, like Ohio State can just have running the ball. It's sort of unexpected and it feels maybe a little bit sluggish, but Ryan Williams was unbelievable. Like, he was unbelievable in that first yeah. half. When you really, like, take a second to think about what it looked like, what he was doing, like, you guys gave me a lot of guff preseason. When I said that the gap between Mayan Williams and Trayvon Henderson was not really what people thought it was. Did we do that? I think that's a fair description. A lot of guff. reacted to that, yes. Hmm. And uh, we'll have to check I tape. feel somewhat vindicated, and it's really just cool to watch because you know now you have all these guys that can make plays. And, again, we still sit here and go, but when are they going to be fully healthy? When are they going to be fully healthy? So when are they going to be fully healthy? I have no idea. They have another sort of what should be a tune-up in their first road game at Michigan State next week. Then they have an off yeah. date, and you would assume they would come out of that much healthier uh, we talked about Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, he's obviously the headliner of that before the game. We don't need to rehash that. Um, you know, Cameron Brown, uh, if he needs another week, then there's another one after that available to him. I think that's true for a number of guys. We'll see how many need that. Travion Henderson seems to be one of them. He spent the entire game wearing tennis shoes. We were told in the press box that, uh, and then Ryan Day confirmed in the post game just a few minutes ago that yeah, re-aggravated it. Uh, without using that exact word, during pregame warm-ups, we saw him come out, everything looked fine, ready to go, uh, and he's just continuing to deal with a nagging foot injury. And Mayan Williams, as I had said, uh, he's more than capable of being the primary back for this team sure. as it went along. It became very clear, and I think that he's a better fit for this current offense with what he's doing, and I think today was a prime example of him being... Uh, someone that no one in the world wants to tackle, and even when they do try, they tend to bounce off of him. And it's, it's, you saw the proof. If you're inside the five, maybe just hand it to the bowling ball. He seems really to enjoy running people over in the end zone. The second touchdown. The second one, he stood over that dude. Uh, I hope you got a good photo of it. He all lead him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know what I, I appreciate about mine is like in the second half, like CJ came out and threw that pick and things were like very, it was like the weirdest I thought the game was. And then Mayan was like, enough of this. I'm just going to run for 70 <laughs> yards for a touchdown and put this thing to bed. So um, he had more wiggle to him today than, than maybe he's shown throughout the season. I think that's an improved ability for him, but I think maybe it shined most of it. How much of that do you think, sorry, do you think is just a guy knowing this is all on me today and I better just go out? I mean, it is sort of a unique opportunity to say, this is now my show when it hasn't been his show at any point in his career. I don't know. That guy walks through. I I don't know. It's an interesting idea, but he's been running like that for several weeks, and I think it was up until now, it was like, Maybe if I keep doing this, they'll let me be the primary back. Because last week it was, I believe, 21 to 11 in favor of carries uh, for Travion Henderson. And I don't believe that Mayan had one in the second half. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on That's that, right. Bill. Yep. But like that, it was like, okay, the game was over. And he got the star sort of treatment on that. Like, take it easy. And then, so I don't know. He didn't really run differently today than yeah. I thought he had 21 in the carries, 191 yards, five touchdowns, nine yards a pop. Like, that's that's a ridiculous day. And I don't care if you're playing Rutgers or if you're playing Michigan, whoever you're playing, that's a, that's a hell of a game. I and mean, that's a kid that just sees the field very, very well. Yep. Uh, if you, it depends on maybe your interest in the final score, when you may have taken your, your wages and put them on this, <laughs> this team, because it wound up being exactly at 39 points. And that's the crazy part to me is that everyone thought this would be maybe between 38 and 41 points or at least the odds makers did and it wound up exactly at that so you can't you can't say that ohio state played better than you might have expected or worse than expected it certainly just didn't feel like they were operating on full cylinders and i guess that's again sort of like what i said last week in the post game about cj stroud a reminder of how high the standard is for this team because we're obviously not evaluating them based on what they do to Rutgers. Well, I think the good thing is that, yes, this was not them operating a full cylinder. A couple weeks ago against Arkansas State, it was not. They won both those games by basically 40 points. And last year, when they weren't operating at full capacity, like they were messing around with Tulsa in the fourth right. quarter. Yeah. So um, this is, I think this is what it's supposed to look like when a dominant team plays a clearly overmatched opponent. And maybe things don't look exactly the, the way you expect them to. I, I get it. You want to see them win by a million. I guess the oddsmakers knew that Emeka Ibuka was going to try to catch a punt over his shoulder and, and basically gift Rutgers a touchdown. But, I mean, take, Rutgers was not moving the ball at all. That was the only time they even threatened to do anything. All so. 10 of their points were on Facebook, Ohio yeah. State mistakes. Yeah. And, and the defense, as we said, played really, really well. I do have some concerns. you got to wonder now how many guys can they lose in the secondary before. they got a fixed corner. I mean, not even that. Now you lose Tanner McAllister for this game, and you don't know what the extent of that is. Like, this is a this is an issue that you just – have to keep going oh boy eventually this could bite him in the butt eventually this could bite him in the butt and certainly doesn't feel like it will happen next week against michigan state uh maybe they'll have you know a coming out party or something and remember how to play good football i don't know did they win today uh no i believe they lost uh, to maryland i know they were playing maryland but i, I yeah just they, assumed they lost. I'll, I'll hit you with a the score they really had to grind to get to their 13th point i don't think that it got much Closer than uh, that. They lost 27 to 13. Well, to there, the should be, Terps. there should be a, a very pro Ohio State crowd in East Lansing next weekend. Michigan State fans will probably, you know, start preparing for basketball season now. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you get this this test at the corner position until, like, we talked about it last week. Like, we don't know when that's going to happen, but that is a major concern because you can just it not can't happen? Keep losing it. Do you think it cannot happen? Like, if they just, because what, what Michigan State's offense last year, was Kenneth Walker and go balls. And this year, I, I'm assuming they just keep throwing go balls. 
<laughs> and like the back shoulder 50-50 ball has been the most effective play against Ohio State's defense because I guess one corner in particular has had a hard time locating the ball in those scenarios. So I don't yeah. I would I'm not saying like that's how Michigan State can beat Ohio State, but I think that is a weakness that Michigan State could potentially exploit. That was <laughs> that was their offense a lot of the year was trying to get pass interference throws down the field and that could happen. I mean, look, Denzel Burke came back from the injury. Why is that guy walks? He, he just, uh, it sounds intentional. He's celebrating. Is <laughs> it was a great night in the horseshoe for him. So he's not done yet. Uh, look, I, I would like to know, and we didn't have time to get into all that. It was a, a lengthy Ryan Day press conference, but uh, we don't get a lot of chances to follow up in that setting. Why Jair Brown did not have an opportunity, uh, and Jim Knowles was not part of it tonight because it was forty nine to ten. What was the point of extending the post game? But like Jair Brown was really solid last week, and Denzel Burke is clearly struggling with something whether that's physical with the hand whether it's mental i mean the, the early touchdown looked exactly like the one a few weeks ago uh that he gave up on the 50 50 ball and then missed the tackle at the goal line this isn't a new thing that's happening so there have been other positions where ohio state has shown the quick trigger and that includes with denzel burke in that very same game i just like why are they not trying something different ryan turner got in late and, and again the game was over but he flashed on a blitz coming off, and like he just got his black stripe off. I know that that doesn't mean everything. It's just try something else. I'm of the mindset that they're trying to say, like a free throw shooter, like when you're cold, you just get up there and just keep shooting. And like maybe they're just saying, hey, at this point, Denzel, you just got to keep going out there. And, and free throw shooters don't practice. just get to keep going. Yeah, and practice them. <laughs> That's the way it works. You practice at something, okay. then you get better. Got it. Okay. Like we are practicing how to do live shows and <laughs> maybe one day we'll get better. But the point is like, you just keep throwing Denzel out there and say, Hey man, you got to get up. You got to get over this up on your own. Because I don't think with a guy, a young player like that, if you take him out another game and say, you know what, then what happens? You know, I, I just, I, I think when the game's in hand and you know, you're going to win, I think it's better to just keep getting reps and say, Hey, go, go fix it, figure it out. Okay. That's my, that's my I think perspective. If they're, as long as the games are like this, I, I suppose that's okay. And maybe they're not going to be a position where it matters until right, the end I'm, of the year. I mean, but. I'm good down here. I don't know. Uh, He's good down here. Yeah, we, we don't usually have the, the reality this is, kind of peanut gallery. Here's, here's something else that's happened today. I mean, obviously, while we're on the live show here, folks. We're talking about things outside of Ohio State. No, 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 no. Bryce Young? No, 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 no. He came back. He came Did back. he come back? Yeah. Uh, they see, see, see that's why that's why this show is about Ohio yeah. State because that's the only so game that you saw. In the Ohio State game? What was your vantage point for the rumble at the thirty? Uh, what a what a weird moment that almost was here at Ohio State. <laughs> no, was, not it, it almost was. It, Ciano, was. Um, it was overstated a bit in the post game press conference as I'm squaring off. I don't really think that happened. Well, there <laughs> were a lot of people between Greg Schiano and Ryan Day. I mean, I, I think it's great to see both coaches defending their team. Like that's that's what you want, right? But. The dude ran 52 yards across the field. And he, it was, for what? Well, he had to get his guy out. Imagine if there had been a bicyclist out there. He would have bulldozed it over. He had to get his guy out. You have one player on the sideline inside of a team of 40 dudes hovering around him. you got to get over there and get him out. Yeah. I don't think Ryan Day appreciated whatever Shiano was saying on his way over there. I think that was the bigger issue. Maybe he was saying, hey, man, good to see you. <laughs> Did not appear that. Remember, way. I was your mentor. Give me credit. Um, I feel like Berm that that here. that late finish to me was like validation that Ryan Day doesn't want to take his foot off the pedal against Greg Schiano. But I think did. that I was right. No, he, he no, he didn't. Sure, he did. How they got the ball back at the thirty-five yard line and didn't try to score after the after the after that well after the fisticuffs, yeah. but they. Yeah. 
They were trying pretty hard to blow them out before that. Well, yeah, but it was forty-nine to ten. They weren't even trying. They did. They had like mm. thirteen plays all game. They, all right. Just, I think if he was trying to blow them out, I was actually surprised that Ryan Day did not deliver a, an a exclamation point after that because instead it was just Comicord down Hayden Comicord down. I think mean, if I was, that's where I, I if I was the coach, and I guess why he makes a lot of money to be a head coach at Ohio State. I would have thrown the ball into the end zone three straight times after that play, and I would have probably done it after each one with a little bit of a jack in the box uh, for for Greg Schiano <laughs> across the field. But okay, I, oh, with a jack in the box. I've actually covered a game where that one happened. It's not good. They will they will fine you and suspend you. That happened to Joe Glenn against Kyle Whittingham back in the day. Look it up, kids. It was a fun one for Holster me. Holster the birds. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're birds. not you're not allowed to use those uh, for the other coach on the other sideline. Uh, I. I don't think it was an almost weird situation. I think it was one of the stranger ones I've seen between two coaches because Ryan Day looked very much like he would have liked no separation between the two. Yeah, I don't know. Greg, Greg Schiano's, I think he benches a lot. I don't, I don't yeah. know if I'd, I'd, I'd hey, he got a thick neck. Yeah, you know, <laughs> he looks like a guy who can throw a punch. I don't know if I'd want that smoke. But, okay. Uh, All right. Yeah, it was, it was feisty for sure. I think there was probably confusion about the play itself. Like they did not call a fake punt. Uh, Ryan Day, in fact, after the game said, he spoke with Jesse Murko and said, what happened? And Jesse said, well, there was no one there, so I ran. And Ryan said, did anyone tell you to do that? Jesse said no. And Ryan said, okay, we'll talk about that on Sunday. So it was a, it was a decision by Jesse Murko. He's a ball player, man. It can't <laughs> cage, it can't <laughs> cage in a ball player. Okay, then don't try to block the puck. No, I'm not. The guy, was the clock running? Yeah. Okay, they play the, football. I don't care. Yeah, the guy like, should be doing that. Like, they tried to come How many times have side? we seen that with the rugby style? And like, hey, there's a free first down. Like, why yeah. don't you take it? They tried to come from the other side to block it, and he just was like, literally, oh, I will take there. that. Thank yeah, you. that's okay. I would have done it. Uh, what else would you like to add on, on Snappy J's, Bill? Um, some defensive individuals, Steel Chambers, I think, to Berm's point about the tackling, Steel had his best game, I think, as a tackle. There were a couple plays that got out to the edge. Uh, that Steele just cleaned up and like nothing spectacular, but there have been a few times this year where I thought he's kind of fallen off those tackles a little too much and, and he finished them better tonight or this afternoon, I guess, this mm-hmm. evening. And um, Zach Harrison as well forced the fumble, got the tip on the interception um, that, that Steele picked out of the air. I like Zach a lot lined up inside. Um, I don't think it should be like an every down thing, but I think that gives them a little something that's hard to deal with up front when they do it. You have a Rushman package that is... JT, Tuimolo and Jack Sawyer on the edge, Zach Harrison inside of Mike Hall. Um, yeah. That seems like a handful to me. Change the look, and Zach's length makes him a really difficult guy to defend at that point. And we hear a lot about Zach Harrison from fans, believe it or not, but uh, I don't think he's played bad all year. This was his best game, but that's the difference between pressure and, and hitting the quarterback. That's the difference between almost touching the ball and, and touching the ball. So you see that, but... I just can't get over how good Tommy Eichenberg is. Like it, it is, it's such an enormous shift from last year, yeah. and I don't know necessarily that it's all because Tommy just all of a sudden got bigger, stronger, faster. Like whatever Jim Knowles has done with Tommy Eichenberg, it, it that in itself deserves a royal award because he is <laughs> the best linebacker in the country right now. Jim Knowles is definitely going to win the Boyles Award at this point. I don't. They might as well just uh, call it in if he wins every game and they play like this. Uh, I said last week, and I took some criticism, including directly from C.J. Stroud, about evaluating that performance as less than perfect, and I don't expect him to be that every week. But I don't. I don't know what's going on really the last couple of weeks with him. He's not 
been perfect. Okay, I get, I understand that, but he's missing some throws. I don't know if he's bored with not getting the challenge, not getting the defensive looks that he wants. But there's still been some of the overthrows. He's very, very good, and I, I'm holding to a to a Heisman Trophy standard, and maybe that's not fair. But I've also never seen him throw into quadruple coverage like he did on the first play of the second half. I just I know he doesn't have Jackson Smith and Jigba, that things aren't really clicking the way that maybe they want, but there's there's just something that, like, it's only been a couple weeks of this, and they've still been very productive. It just doesn't fit quite right, it doesn't seem like. I think impatient is the word I would use. I think it applies to CJ and to Ryan Day. Um, when they get into games like this, as I said at the start, where defense is just going to make it really hard for you to throw the ball down the field, um, you have to call and take the underneath stuff. And I don't think that either one of them does a particularly good job of that when when yeah. they're presented with that or wants situation to. or wants to. And like I get it. Like CJ's awesome. Um, he shouldn't have thrown a ball when there's four defenders there. If I'm remembering the play correctly, I think there was somebody like wide open underneath. Um, I I get it. Like especially you know, into like a 30 mile an hour wind. Yeah, the wind's <laughs> blowing back in your face. Like I don't think I don't think it's an issue of him not seeing stuff as well as he normally does. I just think he's imp- getting a little bit impatient. And this offense has taken on a slightly different. Uh, way of operating, I guess, maybe, than they anticipated, and much of that is probably the absence of Jackson Smith and Jigba. They're still really good on offense. CJ's still really good. I think Ryan Day's still a good play caller, but sometimes you just got to take what they're giving you. I asked CJ, like, is the lack of continuity in practice, because you just don't know who you're going to be playing with on Saturday because of all the injuries today, we weren't expecting Emeka Abuka to play, to be honest, and then he suits up and plays the whole game. But, like, I asked him, like, does that – screw up your rhythm does that change the way that you feel with guys on the field and it's specifically been a buka last week and this week it's just i don't know if he's not expecting him to be that fast or something because it seems like he throws the ball behind mecca more than he does other guys and i i don't know if they're just if, if mecca's routes are a little shorter than they need to be or if they're a little more shallow than they i don't know but it seems like there's just not something clicking that and again it's nitpicking but when C.J. Stroud has less passing yards than Ohio State has running yards in a game, that is unexpected. And that means that there's a, you know, a kick. Yeah, and it was still 49-10. to 10. So all of that comes with a grain of salt that we are projecting forward for Ohio State and not um, criticizing what was still a round, an all-around effort. A robust victory. A robust birthday victory He's for He's going Burn. to throw for a billion yards next week because <laughs> Michigan State's pass defense is poopy. <laughs> You heard it here, folks. First, folks, I can't even speak. I'm so excited to wrap up the live show because Rutgers Week is over and we get to talk about a program that at least has some sort of tradition uh, of making games interesting against Ohio State. We'll see if they can do that next Saturday night in the first road trip for the Buckeyes. They are 5-0. It was 49-10. They beat Rutgers and uh, Greg Schiano. Sorry. Thanks for thanks for hanging out in the first row of these stands up here for a while and and giving us something extra to talk about. It was an enjoyable experience. See you next year, Piscataway. Can't wait. Now Berm's birthday party can commence. For Bill and Berm, I am Austin. We will see you back on the podcast tomorrow for a little Sundays with Schlegs and then a lot more content, as always, getting ready for Michigan State.